Section fifty of the Brothers Karamazov by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Book eight, chapter five. A sudden resolution. She was sitting in the kitchen with her grandmother. They were both just going to bed. Relying on Nazar Ivanovitch, they had not locked themselves in. Mitya ran in pounced on fenya and seized her by the throat speak at once where is she with whom is she now at macro he roared furiously both the women squealed ay i'll tell you ay dmitri fyodorovitch darling i'll tell you everything directly i won't hide anything gabbled fenya frightened to death she's gone to macro to her officer what officer roared mitya to her officer the same one she used to know the one who threw her over five years ago cackled fenya as fast as she could speak mitya withdrew the hands with which he was squeezing her throat he stood facing her pale as death unable to utter a word but his eyes showed that he realized it all all from the first word and guessed the whole position poor fenya was not in a condition at that moment to observe whether he understood or not she remained sitting on the trunk as she had been when he ran into the room trembling all over holding her hands out before her as though trying to defend herself she seemed to have grown rigid in that position her wide-open scared eyes were fixed immovably upon him and to make matters worse both his hands were smeared with blood on the way as he ran he must have touched his forehead with them wiping off the perspiration so that on his forehead and his right cheek were blood-stained patches fenya was on the verge of hysterics the old cook had jumped up and was staring at him like a madwoman almost unconscious with terror mitya stood for a moment then mechanically sank on to a chair next to fenya he sat not reflecting but as it were terror-stricken benumbed yet everything was clear as day that officer he knew about him he knew everything perfectly he had known it from grushenka herself had known that a letter had come from him a month before so that for a month for a whole month this had been going on a secret from him till the very arrival of this new man and he had never thought of him but how could he how could he not have thought of him why was it he had forgotten this officer like that forgotten him as soon as he heard of him that was the question that faced him like some monstrous thing and he looked at this monstrous thing with horror growing cold with horror but suddenly as gently and mildly as a gentle and affectionate child he began speaking to fenya as though he had utterly forgotten how he had scared and hurt her just now he fell to questioning fenya with an extreme preciseness astonishing in his position and though the girl looked wildly at his blood-stained hands she too with wonderful readiness and rapidity answered every question as though eager to put the whole truth and nothing but the truth before him little by little even with a sort of enjoyment she began explaining every detail not wanting to torment him but as it were eager to be of the utmost service to him 
she described the whole of that day in great detail the visit of rakitin and alyosha how she fenya had stood on the watch how the mistress had set off and how she had called out of the window to alyosha to give him mitya her greetings and to tell him to remember for ever how she had loved him for an hour hearing of the message mitya suddenly smiled and there was a flush of colour on his pale cheeks at the same moment fenya said to him not a bit afraid now to be inquisitive look at your hands dmitri fyodorovitch they're all over blood yes answered mitya mechanically he looked carelessly at his hands and at once forgot them and fenya's question he sank into silence again twenty minutes had passed since he had run in his first horror was over but evidently some new fixed determination had taken possession of him he suddenly stood up smiling dreamily what has happened to you sir said fenya pointing to his hands again she spoke compassionately as though she felt very near to him now in his grief mitya looked at his hands again that's blood fenya he said looking at her with a strange expression that's human blood and my god why was it shed but fenya there's a fence here he looked at her as though setting her a riddle a high fence and terrible to look at but at dawn to-morrow when the sun rises mitya will leap over that fence you don't understand what fence fenya and never mind you'll hear to-morrow and understand and now good-bye i won't stand in her way i'll step aside i know how to step aside live my joy you loved me for an hour remember mitchenka karamazov so for ever she always used to call me mitchenka do you remember and with those words he went suddenly out of the kitchen fenya was almost more frightened at this sudden departure than she had been when he ran in and attacked her just ten minutes later dmitri went in to pyotr ilyitch perhotin the young official with whom he had pawned his pistols it was by now half-past eight and pyotr ilyitch had finished his evening tea and had just put his coat on again to go to the metropolis to play billiards mitya caught him coming out seeing him with his face all smeared with blood the young man uttered a cry of surprise good heavens what is the matter i've come for my pistols said mitya and brought you the money and thanks very much i'm in a hurry pyotr ilyitch please make haste pyotr ilyitch grew more and more surprised he suddenly caught sight of a bundle of banknotes in mitya's hand and what was more he had walked in holding the notes as no one walks in and no one carries money he had them in his right hand and held them outstretched as if to show them perhotin's servant-boy who met mitya in the passage said afterwards that he walked into the passage in the same way with the money outstretched in his hand so he must have been carrying them like that even in the streets they were all rainbow-coloured hundred-rouble notes and the fingers holding them were covered with blood when pyotr ilyitch was questioned later on as to the sum of money he said that it was difficult to judge at a glance but that it might have been two thousand or perhaps three but it was a big fat bundle 
dmitri fyodorovitch so he testified afterwards seemed unlike himself too not drunk but as it were exalted lost to everything but at the same time as it were absorbed as though pondering and searching for something and unable to come to a decision he was in great haste answered abruptly and very strangely and at moments seemed not at all dejected but quite cheerful but what is the matter with you what's wrong cried Pyotr Ilyitch, looking wildly at his guest. How is it that you're all covered with blood? Have you had a fall? Look at yourself. He took him by the elbow and led him to the glass. Seeing his blood-stained face, Mitya started and scowled wrathfully. Damnation! That's the last straw, he muttered angrily, hurriedly changing the notes from his right hand to the left, and impulsively jerked the handkerchief out of his pocket but the handkerchief turned out to be soaked with blood too it was the handkerchief he had used to wipe grigory's face there was scarcely a white spot on it and it had not merely begun to dry but had stiffened into a crumpled ball and could not be pulled apart mitya threw it angrily on the floor oh damn it he said haven't you a rag of some sort to wipe my face so you're only stained not wounded you'd better wash said pyotr ilyitch here's a washstand i'll pour you out some water a washstand that's all right but where am i to put this with the strangest perplexity he indicated his bundle of hundred-rouble notes looking inquiringly at pyotr ilyitch as though it were for him to decide what he mitya was to do with his own money in your pocket or on the table here they won't be lost in my pocket yes in my pocket all right but i say that's all nonsense he cried as though suddenly coming out of his absorption look here let's first settle that business of the pistols give them back to me here's your money because i am in great need of them and i haven't a minute a minute to spare and taking the topmost note from the bundle he held it out to pyotr ilyitch but i shan't have change enough haven't you less no said mitya looking again at the bundle and as though not trusting his own words he turned over two or three of the topmost ones no they're all alike he added and again he looked inquiringly at pyotr ilyitch how have you grown so rich the latter asked wait i'll send my boy to plotnikov's they close late to see if they won't change it here misha he called into the passage to plotnikov's shop first rate cried mitya as though struck by an idea misha he turned to the boy as he came in look here run to plotnikov's and tell them that dmitri fyodorovitch sends his greetings and will be there directly but listen listen tell them to have champagne three dozen bottles ready before i come and packed as it was to take to macro i took four dozen with me then he added suddenly addressing pyotr ilyitch they know all about it don't you trouble misha he turned again to the boy stay listen tell them to put in cheese strasbourg pies smoked fish ham caviar and everything everything they've got up to a hundred roubles or a hundred and twenty as before but wait don't let them forget dessert sweets pears watermelons two or three or four no one melon's enough and chocolate candy toffee fondants in fact everything i took to macro before three hundred roubles worth with the champagne let it be just the same again and remember misha if you are called misha his name is misha isn't it he turned to pyotr ilyitch again 
wait a minute pyotr ilyitch intervened listening and watching him uneasily you'd better go yourself and tell them he'll muddle it he will i see he will eh, misha why i was going to kiss you for the commission if you don't make a mistake there's ten roubles for you run along make haste champagne's the chief thing let them bring up champagne and brandy too and red and white wine and all i had then they know what i had then but listen pyotr ilyitch interrupted with some impatience i say let him simply run and change the money and tell them not to close and you go and tell them give him your note be off misha put your best leg forward pyotr ilyitch seemed to hurry misha off on purpose because the boy remained standing with his mouth and eyes wide open apparently understanding little of mitch's orders gazing up with amazement and terror at his blood-stained face and the trembling blood-stained fingers that held the notes well now come and wash said pyotr ilyitch sternly put the money on the table or else in your pocket that's right come along but take off your coat and beginning to help him off with his coat he cried out again look your coat's covered with blood too that it's not the coat it's only a little here on the sleeve and that's only here where the handkerchief lay it must have soaked through i must have sat on the handkerchief at fenya's and the blood's come through mitya explained at once with a childlike unconsciousness that was astounding pyotr ilyitch listened frowning well you must have been up to something you must have been fighting with someone he muttered they began to wash pyotr ilyitch held the jug and poured out the water mitya in desperate haste scarcely soaped his hands they were trembling and pyotr ilyitch remembered it afterwards but the young official insisted on his soaping them thoroughly and rubbing them more he seemed to exercise more and more sway over mitya as time went on it may be noted in passing that he was a young man of sturdy character look you haven't got your nails clean now rub your face here on your temples by your ear will you go in that shirt where are you going look all the cuff of your right sleeve is covered with blood yes it's all bloody observed mitya looking at the cuff of his shirt then change your shirt i haven't time you see i'll mitya went on with the same confiding ingenuousness drying his face and hands on the towel and putting on his coat i'll turn it up at the wrist it won't be seen under the coat you see tell me now what game have you been up to have you been fighting with someone in the tavern again as before have you been beating that captain again pyotr ilyitch asked him reproachfully whom have you been beating now or killing perhaps nonsense said mitya why nonsense don't worry said mitya and he suddenly laughed i smashed an old woman in the market-place just now smashed an old woman an old man cried mitya looking pyotr ilyitch straight in the face laughing and shouting at him as though he were deaf confound it an old woman an old man have you killed some one we made it up we had a row and made it up in a place i know of we parted friends a fool he's forgiven me he's sure to have forgiven me by now if he had got up he wouldn't have forgiven me mitya suddenly winked only damn him you know i say pyotr ilyitch damn him don't worry about him i don't want to just now mitya snapped out resolutely 
whatever do you want to go picking quarrels with everyone for just as you did with that captain over some nonsense you've been fighting and now you're rushing off on the spree that's you all over three dozen champagne what do you want all that for bravo now give me the pistols upon my honour i've no time now i should like to have a chat with you my dear boy but i haven't the time and there's no need it's too late for talking where's my money where have i put it he cried thrusting his hands into his pockets you put it on the table yourself here it is had you forgotten money's like dirt or water to you it seems here are your pistols it's an odd thing at six o'clock you pledged them for ten roubles and now you've got thousands two or three i should say three you bet laughed mitya stuffing the notes into the side pocket of his trousers you'll lose it like that have you found a gold mine the mines the gold mines mitya shouted at the top of his voice and went off into a roar of laughter would you like to go to the mines perhotin there's a lady here who'll stump up three thousand for you if only you'll go she did it for me she's so awfully fond of gold mines do you know madame holnikoff i don't know her but i've heard of her and seen her did she really give you three thousand did she really said pyotr ilyitch eyeing him dubiously as soon as the sun rises to-morrow as soon as phoebus ever young flies upwards praising and glorifying god you go to her this madame holikoff and ask her whether she did stump up that three thousand or not try and find out i don't know on what terms you are since you say it so positively i suppose she did give it to you you've got the money in your hand but instead of going to siberia you're spending it all where are you really off to now eh to macro to macro but it's night once the lad had all now the lad has not cried mitya suddenly how not you say that with all those thousands i'm not talking about thousands damn thousands i'm talking of the female character fickle is the heart of woman treacherous and full of vice i agree with ulysses that's what he says i don't understand you am i drunk not drunk but worse i'm drunk in spirit pyotr ilyitch drunk in spirit but that's enough what are you doing loading the pistol i'm loading the pistol unfastening the pistol-case mitya actually opened the powder-horn and carefully sprinkled and rammed in the charge then he took the bullet and before inserting it held it in two fingers in front of the candle why are you looking at the bullet asked pyotr ilyitch watching him with uneasy curiosity oh a fancy why if you meant to put that bullet in your brain would you look at it or not why look at it it's going into my brain so it's interesting to look and see what it's like but that's foolishness a moment's foolishness now that's done he added putting in the bullet and driving it home with the ramrod pyotr ilyitch my dear fellow that's nonsense all nonsense and if only you knew what nonsense give me a little piece of paper now here's some paper no a clean new piece writing paper that's right and taking a pen from the table mitya rapidly wrote two lines folded the paper in four and thrust it in his waistcoat pocket he put the pistols in the case locked it up and kept it in his hand 
then he looked at Pyotr Ilyitch with a slow, thoughtful smile. Now, let's go. Where are we going? No, wait a minute. Are you thinking of putting that bullet in your brain, perhaps? Pyotr Ilyitch asked uneasily. I was fooling about the bullet. I want to live. I love life. You may be sure of that. I love golden-haired Phoebus and his warm light. Dear Pyotr Ilyitch, do you know how to step aside? What do you mean by stepping aside? Making way, making way for a dear creature and for one I hate, and to let the one I hate become dear. That's what making way means, and to say to them, God bless you, go your way, pass on, while I... While you? That's enough. Let's go. Upon my word, I'll tell someone to prevent your going there, said Pyotr Ilyitch, looking at him. What are you going to Makro for now? There's a woman there, a woman. That's enough for you. You shut up. Listen, though you're such a savage, I've always liked you. I feel anxious. Thanks, old fellow. I'm a savage, you say. Savages, savages. That's what I am always saying. Savages. Why, here's Misha. I was forgetting him. Misha ran in post-haste with a handful of notes in change, and reported that everyone was in a bustle at the Plotnikovs. They're carrying down the bottles and the fish and the tea, and it will all be ready directly. Mitya seized ten roubles and handed it to Pyotr Ilyitch, then tossed another ten-rouble note to Misha. "'Don't dare to do such a thing,' cried Pyotr Ilyitch. "'I won't have it in my house. It's a bad demoralizing habit. Put your money away. Here, put it here. Why waste it?' It would come in handy to-morrow, and I dare say you'll be coming to me to borrow ten roubles again. Why do you keep putting the notes in your side-pocket? Ah, you'll lose them. I say, my dear fellow, let's go to Makro together. What should I go for? I say, let's open a bottle at once and drink to life. I want to drink, and especially to drink with you. I've never drunk with you, have I? Very well, we can go to the metropolis. I was just going there i haven't time for that let's drink at the plotnikoffs in the back room shall i ask you a riddle ask away mitya took the piece of paper out of his waistcoat pocket unfolded it and showed it in a large distinct hand was written i punish myself for my whole life my whole life i punish i will certainly speak to someone i'll go at once said pyotr ilyitch after reading the paper you won't have time, dear boy. Come and have a drink. March. Plotnikov's shop was at the corner of the street next door but one to Pyotr Ilyitch's. It was the largest grocery shop in our town, and by no means a bad one, belonging to some rich merchants. They kept everything that could be got in a Petersburg shop, grocery of all sort, wines bottled by the brothers Eliseev, fruits, cigars, tea, coffee, sugar, and so on. There were three shop assistants and two errand boys always employed. Though our part of the country had grown poorer, the landowners had gone away and trade had got worse, yet the grocery stores flourished as before, every year with increasing prosperity. There were plenty of purchasers for their goods. They were awaiting Mitya with impatience in the shop. They had vivid recollections of how he had bought, three or four weeks ago, wine and goods of all sorts to the value of several hundred roubles paid for in cash they would never have let him have anything on credit of course 
they remembered that then as now he had had a bundle of hundred-rouble notes in his hand and had scattered them at random without bargaining without reflecting or caring to reflect what use so much wine and provisions would be to him the story was told all over the town that driving off then with grushenka to mokro he had spent three thousand in one night and the following day and had come back from the spree without a penny he had picked up a whole troop of gypsies encamped in our neighbourhood at the time who for two days got money without stint out of him while he was drunk and drank expensive wine without stint people used to tell laughing at mitya how he had given champagne to grimy-handed peasants and feasted the village women and girls on sweets and strasbourg pies though to laugh at mitya to his face was rather a risky proceeding there was much laughter behind his back especially in the tavern at his own ingenuous public avowal that all he had got out of grushenka by this escapade was permission to kiss her foot and that was the utmost she had allowed him by the time mitya and pyotr ilyitch reached the shop they found a cart with three horses harnessed abreast with bells and with andrei the driver ready waiting for mitya at the entrance in the shop they had almost entirely finished packing one box of provisions and were only waiting for mitya's arrival to nail it down and put it in the cart pyotr ilyitch was astounded where did this cart come from in such a hurry he asked mitya i met andrei as i ran to you and told him to drive straight here to the shop there's no time to lose last time i drove with timofey but timofey now has gone on before me with the witch shall we be very late andrei they'll only get there an hour at most before us not even that maybe i got timofey ready to start i know how he'll go their pace won't be ours dmitri fyodorovitch how could it be they won't get there an hour earlier andrei a lanky red-haired middle-aged driver wearing a full-skirted coat and with a caftan on his arm replied warmly fifty roubles for vodka if we're only an hour behind them i warrant the time dmitri fyodorovitch eh, they won't be half an hour before us let alone an hour though mitya bustled about seeing after things he gave his orders strangely as it were disconnectedly and inconsecutively he began a sentence and forgot the end of it pyotr ilyitch found himself obliged to come to the rescue four hundred roubles worth not less than four hundred roubles worth just as it was then commanded mitya four dozen champagne not a bottle less what do you want with so much what's it for stay cried pyotr ilyitch what's this box what's in it surely there isn't four hundred roubles worth here the officious shopmen began explaining with oily politeness that the first box contained only half a dozen bottles of champagne and only the most indispensable articles such as savouries sweets toffee etc but the main part of the goods ordered would be packed and sent off as on the previous occasion in a special cart and with three horses travelling at full speed so that it would arrive not more than an hour later than dmitri fyodorovitch himself not more than an hour not more than an hour and put in more toffee and fondants the girls there are so fond of it mitya insisted hotly the fondants are all right but what do you want with four dozen of champagne one would be enough said pyotr ilyitch almost angry 
he began bargaining asking for a bill of the goods and refused to be satisfied but he only succeeded in saving a hundred roubles in the end it was agreed that only three hundred roubles worth should be sent well you may go to the devil cried pyotr ilyitch on second thoughts what's it to do with me throw away your money since it's cost you nothing this way my economist this way don't be angry mitya drew him into a room at the back of the shop they'll give us a bottle here directly we'll taste it <laughs> pyotr ilyitch come along with me for you're a nice fellow the sort i like mitya sat down on a wicker chair before a little table covered with a dirty dinner napkin pyotr ilyitch sat down opposite and the champagne soon appeared and oysters were suggested to the gentleman first-class oysters the last lot in hang the oysters i don't eat them and we don't need anything cried pyotr ilyitch almost angrily there's no time for oysters said mitya and i'm not hungry do you know friend he said suddenly with feeling i never have liked all this disorder who does like it three dozen of champagne for peasants upon my word that's enough to make anyone angry that's not what i mean i'm talking of a higher order there's no order in me no higher order but that's all over there's no need to grieve about it it's too late damn it my whole life has been disorder and one must set it in order is that a pun eh you're raving not making puns glory be to god in heaven glory be to god in me that verse came from my heart once it's not a verse but a tear i made it myself not while i was pulling the captain's beard though why do you bring him in all of a sudden why do i bring him in foolery all things come to an end all things are made equal that's the long and short of it you know i keep thinking of your pistols that's all foolery too drink and don't be fanciful i love life i've loved life too much shamefully much enough let's drink to life dear boy i propose the toast why am i pleased with myself i'm a scoundrel but i'm satisfied with myself and yet i'm tortured by the thought that i'm a scoundrel but satisfied with myself i bless the creation i'm ready to bless god and his creation directly but i must kill one noxious insect for fear it should crawl and spoil life for others let us drink to life dear brother what can be more precious than life nothing to life and to one queen of queens let's drink to life and to your queen too if you like they drank a glass each although mitya was excited and expansive yet he was melancholy too it was as though some heavy overwhelming anxiety were weighing upon him misha here's your misha come misha come here my boy drink this glass to phoebus the golden-haired of to-morrow morn what are you giving it him for cried pyotr ilyitch irritably yes 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 let me i want to Ech. misha emptied the glass bowed and ran out he'll remember it afterwards mitya remarked woman i love woman what is woman the queen of creation my heart is sad my heart is sad pyotr ilyitch do you remember hamlet i am very sorry good horatio alas poor yorick 
perhaps that's me yorick yes i'm yorick now and a skull afterwards pyotr ilyitch listened in silence mitya too was silent for a while what dog's that you've got here he asked the shopman casually noticing a pretty little lap-dog with dark eyes sitting in the corner it belongs to varvara alexyevna the mistress answered the clerk she brought it and forgot it here it must be taken back to her i saw one like it in the regiment murmured mitya dreamily only that one had its hind leg broken by the way pyotr ilyitch i wanted to ask you have you ever stolen anything in your life what a question oh i didn't mean anything from somebody's pocket you know i don't mean government money everyone steals that and no doubt you do too you go to the devil i'm talking of other people's money stealing straight out of a pocket out of a purse eh i stole twenty kopecks from my mother when i was nine years old i took it off the table on the sly and held it tight in my hand well and what happened oh nothing i kept it three days then i felt ashamed confessed and gave it back and what then naturally i was whipped but why do you ask have you stolen something i have said mitya winking slyly what have you stolen inquired pyotr ilyitch curiously i stole twenty kopecks from my mother when i was nine years old and gave it back three days after as he said this mitya suddenly got up dmitri fyodorovitch won't you come now called andrei from the door of the shop are you ready we'll come mitya started a few more last words and andrei a glass of vodka at starting give him some brandy as well that box the one with the pistols put under my seat good-bye pyotr ilyitch don't remember evil against me but you're coming back to-morrow of course will you settle the little bill now cried the clerk springing forward oh yes the bill of course he pulled the bundle of notes out of his pocket again picked out three hundred roubles threw them on the counter and ran hurriedly out of the shop everyone followed him out bowing and wishing him good luck Andrei, coughing from the brandy he had just swallowed jumped up on the box but mitya was only just taking his seat when suddenly to his surprise he saw fenya before him she ran up panting clasped her hands before him with a cry and plumped down at his feet dmitri fyodorovitch dear good dmitri fyodorovitch don't harm my mistress and it was i told you all about it and don't murder him he came first he's hers he'll marry agrafena alexandrovna now that's why he's come back from siberia dmitri fyodorovitch dear don't take a fellow-creature's life tut, tut, tut. that's it is it so you're off there to make trouble muttered pyotr ilyitch now it's all clear as clear as daylight dmitri fyodorovitch give me your pistols at once if you mean to behave like a man he shouted aloud to mitya do you hear dmitri the pistols wait a bit brother i'll throw them into the pool on the road answered mitya fenya get up don't kneel to me mitya won't hurt anyone the silly fool won't hurt anyone again but i say fenya he shouted after having taken his seat 
i hurt you just now so forgive me and have pity on me forgive a scoundrel but it doesn't matter if you don't it's all the same now now then andre look alive fly along full speed andre whipped up the horses and the bells began ringing good-bye pyotr ilyitch my last tear is for you he's not drunk but he keeps babbling like a lunatic pyotr ilyitch thought as he watched him go he had half a mind to stay and see the cart packed with the remaining wines and provisions knowing that they would deceive and defraud mitya but suddenly feeling vexed with himself he turned away with a curse and went to the tavern to play billiards he's a fool though he's a good fellow he muttered as he went i've heard of that officer grushenka's former flame well if he has turned up ugh, those pistols damn it all i'm not his nurse let them do what they like besides it'll all come to nothing they're a set of brawlers that's all they'll drink and fight fight and make friends again they are not men who do anything real what does he mean by i'm stepping aside i'm punishing myself it'll come to nothing he's shouted such phrases a thousand times drunk in the taverns but now he's not drunk drunk in spirit they're fond of fine phrases the villains am i his nurse he must have been fighting his face was all over blood with whom i shall find out at the metropolis and his handkerchief was soaked in blood it's still lying on my floor hang it he reached the tavern in a bad humor and at once made up a game the game cheered him he played a second game and suddenly began telling one of his partners that dmitri karamazov had come in for some cash again something like three thousand roubles and had gone to makro again to spend it with grushenka this news roused singular interest in his listeners they all spoke of it not laughing but with a strange gravity they left off playing three thousand but where can he have got three thousand questions were asked the story of madame holikoff's present was received with skepticism hasn't he robbed his old father that's the question three thousand there's something odd about it he boasted aloud that he would kill his father we all heard him here and it was three thousand he talked about Pyotr Ilyitch listened. All at once he became short and dry in his answers. He said not a word about the blood on Mitch's face and hands, though he had meant to speak of it at first. They began a third game, and by degrees the talk about Mitya died away. But by the end of the third game Pyotr Ilyitch felt no more desire for billiards. He laid down the cue, and without having supper as he had intended he walked out of the tavern when he reached the market-place he stood still in perplexity wondering at himself he realized that what he wanted was to go to fyodor pavlovitch's and find out if anything had happened there on account of some stupid nonsense as it's sure to turn out am i going to wake up the household and make a scandal Phew, damn it is it my business to look after them in a very bad humor he went straight home and suddenly remembered fenya damn it all i ought to have questioned her just now he thought with vexation i should have heard everything 
and the desire to speak to her and so find out became so pressing and importunate that when he was halfway home he turned abruptly and went towards the house where grushenka lodged going up to the gate he knocked the sound of the knock in the silence of the night sobered him and made him feel annoyed and no one answered him everyone in the house was asleep and i shall be making a fuss he thought with a feeling of positive discomfort but instead of going away altogether he fell to knocking again with all his might filling the street with clamour not coming well i will knock them up i will he muttered at each knock fuming at himself but at the same time he redoubled his knocks on the gate end of section fifty